Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And an outcome that you didn't expect and I did. Bam! Right off the bat, I'm going to hit you with that. <laughs> As when I'm right about something, I'm going to let you know about it. And well, you, you definitely have that down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I should have taken you up on it. You got so upset on Friday. Uh, I mean, whatever. Yeah, it was Friday. We were talking about the picks. And you said, well, put your money where your mouth is. And I didn't do it because I was a wuss, mm-hmm. and I would have won. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, yeah, it, we, we know it's difficult to beat a team uh, two times, but uh, obviously, on Johnson wasn't the same on Johnson. But that uh, that didn't – I don't think that would have mattered because Georgia came out, and they owned the line of scrimmage. It was a total reversal of what we witnessed in the first hookup between these two teams and a great victory for the Georgia Bulldogs. And it led to them being number three in the final college football playoff rankings. We knew going into the rankings yesterday that were finally unveiled at 1230 who the top three would be. It just came down to number four. And that show is just a joke because they sit there and then try to pretend like they, we haven't gotten them yet and we got to get it to the graphics guy. Shut up. I mean, the way that you can get graphics instantaneously on a screen these days, you're telling me it takes you 15, 20 minutes to put up one team name that was in question? Give me a break. But anyway. They got to tease it, Gio. I know, but don't lie to us. If you want to tease it, tease it. Don't lie to us. Bull crap. But anyway. Just say, hey, we're teasing you. We know who it is. We're just not going to tell you yet because we don't want you to go anywhere. We've got to fill all this time for our sponsors. Right. Exactly. I'd be happy with that. Like, why not? The, the truth these days is elusive in a lot of places. And just tell me the truth. Right. So, well, I'll tell you this. You were right in this regard as well because the conference champion of the Big Ten did not get in, and I am hard-headed, and, and, and I know recent history has shown that the committee doesn't give a damn about you winning your division or winning your conference championship. Yet, in the past, the first year of the conference, uh, the college football playoff, those committee members and and Bill Hancock, who has been the mainstay there as the, as the executive director of the college football playoff, stated that the Big 12 did didn't have a true champion. So in that instance, yeah, conference championship mattered. In the last two seasons, we've seen where it hasn't mattered. And I think they got it right because Ohio State needed to just beat the living daylights out of Wisconsin to be even considered for that fourth spot. They didn't come close to doing that. So I believe they got it right. So the first time in the history of the short life of the playoff, we have two teams from one conference. And I think it's going to be a great college football playoff a couple of things one i wasn't right in my playoff generator because i thought that i uh, that alabama would need auburn to win to help boost their resume to get in if ohio state won so i was wrong about that i thought ohio state was gonna get in uh and and they did not but you said that they got it right last year you were screaming your head off and basically the same exact scenario about penn state 
and now you're telling me that you're going to the other side of the fence? Because of the team that got in over Penn State was a team Penn State beat. Penn State beat Ohio State. I didn't think that was right for Ohio State to then be able to to play in the college football playoff when they couldn't knock off Penn State. And Penn State went on to to win the conference championship. So that's the underlying factor and why I have switched my tune uh, this year. You could not have said that conference championships mean a lot to you more than you did last year. They mean a lot to me this year, too. But not enough to put the team in there? No. Oh. No. And and Ohio State was at full strength when they were thrashed by Iowa. They were at full strength. Penn State was not when they waltzed into Ann Arbor and, and were whipped by Michigan. Yeah, I would have put an Ohio State. I would have put Ohio State in there. Uh, they with the they had better wins. They had, and to me, what the committee is looking at now is a a bad loss to them is worse than a good win is yep. good. If that makes sense. Yep. Uh, when, and and also, that, go ahead. I'm sorry, G. Well, go that ahead. that if you want to look at exactly what put them out. Uh, there's two two ways you can look at it. One, as bad as that Iowa loss was, that that was that was the m- big thing. And then also, to me, I'll go back to this: if do you believe that if Ohio State had scheduled an FCS team instead of Oklahoma, if they were a one-loss conference champion, that they'd get in over Alabama? If Ohio State had had scheduled an FCS team and they had that one loss, depends on. How that loss happened, and when it well, the happened. same loss, the same loss with Iowa. So, I'm, so oh, I'm, the same loss. Well, they lost. To, to, so you're going to eliminate the Oklahoma loss? Yeah, I'm because that's a game that they scheduled at a conference. Yeah, right. So if they were a one loss, let's say they scheduled a cupcake instead of Oklahoma, and they were a one loss conference champion with that bad loss against Iowa on their resume, would they have gotten in over Alabama? Yes, I think they would have gotten so in over Alabama. So there's an argument again, like I said yes. with the year before with Penn State, if they had scheduled an FCS team instead of Pitt, which was a big rivalry game, they would have gotten in. Give me a reason why you wouldn't schedule cupcakes over teams that could actually beat you. Because you want the strength of schedule, and I, and I think the strength of schedule is still going to matter. Even if you, you schedule these FCS teams, they're going to hold that against you. They want you to schedule the big boy. That's why Alabama scheduled has scheduled a Wisconsin in the past. They've scheduled a a, a Florida State uh, this past year, and you'll see it continue next year. Auburn and Washington hook up at, at the beginning of the season uh, there in in, uh, in Atlanta. Clemson and Texas A&M are going to hook up the second week of the season. So you, you, I think the playoff has forced you to have that strength of schedule, yeah. not just in your conference, but also those non-conference games, and I think it's better for college football. Yeah, I disagree that the strength of the schedule matters all that much to him because if you were telling me that you know Ohio State would have gotten in as a one-loss conference champion, the same thing with Penn State the year before, well, it doesn't matter. And guess which team out of the three that we were talking about, it was really two, had the best strength of schedule yesterday going into the, the determining uh, determining who Ohio was going to be four. No, no, no. It was USC had the best oh, yeah, strength USC of schedule. Yeah. But <laughs> and they weren't this? even top six. Yeah, and, and I think they get hosed. They wouldn't even consider it. Now, what if who's been disrespected all season long because of their schedule? Wisconsin. And they rolled into uh, their conference championship game undefeated, but no one has been taking them seriously right. because of their, their, their conference. But that has more to do with the fact that they play in the division they play in, in the Big Ten, as opposed to what they scheduled out of conference, in my Who opinion. Did, I, I, I'm telling you that it has to do with that as well. well Last year, if you're Wisconsin, though, it, it depends who you are, right? If you're Wisconsin... You should be scheduling better teams out of conference because you know that your division has been perennially weak. 
if and you're, they did that last year, and right. they did that the previous year. Last year they opened up with LSU. Right, right, exactly. Now, if you're Ohio State and Penn State, because who you're playing during the year within your conference is strong enough, you don't need to do that. So, I mean, I really think it's tough because these things are scheduled years in advance, so you don't really know who's going to be up and who's going to be down. Uh, But you can make a real good argument that if you play in a league, in a division especially, where you're going to have a pretty strong strength of schedule just right off the bat because of how strong the conference is, that you should not schedule tough out-of-conference games because you, as a one-loss conference champion, have a much better shot than scheduling that that team early on out of conference that's strong just so you can get the strength of schedule up there. And, and you also play nine conference games in the Big Ten. Right. Whereas in SEC, you play eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting to see how the committee is going to be able to change the way teams approach their schedule in the future. I think that is going to be an, an interesting look at this. And, you know, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I would have put Ohio State in personally just because – of the wins that they had. I wasn't all that impressed with Alabama's resume. See, if you look at Alabama, you can look at it two different ways. And it, it's it's classic confirmation bias where if you want to make a good case for Alabama, you can. If you want to knock them, you can. And both sound pretty good. If you want to make a good case for them, you say, how can you leave a team out with the one game that they lost was to their biggest rival on the road that was, you know, the hottest team in college football at one point. So you can say that, and like, oh, of course, it's Alabama. One game to Auburn on the road is their loss. They should be in. But then you say, all right, look at their wins. I mean, if you really look at their, their strength of their wins, mm-hmm. it wasn't that good. Now, Ohio State, it's impossible to get past that Iowa loss. It really is. But, I mean, they had two. They knocked off the number four team in the country, in the Big Ten championship game, and they knocked in the then number two team in the country out in Penn State in an unbelievable comeback. So to me, those were two strong enough wins with a conference championship to uh, to get them in. But when people say, and I've heard a lot of this, that you really couldn't go wrong either way, that you know both of these teams, you could make a case, deserved it, uh, I tend to agree with that, which is why I think eventually, as we've said many, many times, you end up getting to eight because there's more than just four deserving teams that should be able to play for a national title. Let's go back to our initial comments about how you string this thing along during the telecast leading up to revealing who are going to be the four participants. It's about sponsorship. It's about keeping those eyeballs there so your advertisers will spend a ton of money for you to have the right to disclose who's going to participate in the college football playoff. So let's factor this in. The matchups. Who wants to see Clemson versus Ohio State after Clemson just waxed them a year ago, thirty-one to nothing? They also beat them back. I believe it was twenty fourteen in the Orange Bowl. Uh, that was a much closer game, but it was a high-scoring affair. You want to see that, or would you lo- rather see the third installment of Clemson versus Alabama when those two have been knockout dragouts and they've been outstanding football games? So, which one do you want to see? Which one can you market it market better? 
a, a third game between Clemson and Alabama or a third matchup between Clemson and Ohio State, even though the, the first one was back in 2014, the more recent one wasn't even close. They didn't even allow Ohio State to score. So I think you have to look at that as well because this is all about marketing. It's all about the bottom line. And seeing Clemson and Alabama hook up a third time in the Sugar Bowl everyone's going to tune in for that one. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. And the last two times we saw a Big Ten team in the college football playoff, yep. the combined score of those games was 69 to nothing. They haven't scored a point the last yep. two times we've seen them in there. Ohio State last year and the year before Michigan State losing 38 nothing to Alabama. So maybe that is a factor going in as well. I know definitely there's people arguing – you know, we can't get a better matchup than Clemson-Alabama as a 1-4. I mean, we just can't do that. Um, so that's a that's a big deal for us. And maybe they're saying, you know, the Big Ten, every time we put a Big Ten team in, give them the benefit of the doubt, um, then look what happens. Uh, they get killed in this thing. Now, they shouldn't do that. It's not what they're supposed to do, uh, but that could factor in. I, this is not a day where I think a level-headed person – who's a sports fan, can scream about Alabama being in over Ohio State. I would have put him in uh, personally, but I do think that uh, people are so happy that if you're not an Ohio State fan to get that rematch that you mentioned, that if you did think it was supposed to go the other way, you're like, you know what, I don't care. Because as a sports fan watching that, and Alabama, I think, opened up as a favorite in that game. i got to take a look at the line now. Um, But uh, but that's just a spectacular matchup that we're going to get. That is, I, I, I'm just getting goosebumps in there thinking about that. That's going to be one hell of a football game. And now you have different players, and I can understand why Alabama would be the favorite. They have Jalen Hurts coming back, who's played a versus Clemson, of course, and and now they can get some guys healthier on that defensive side of the ball. But you got two excellent defenses. Clemson's defense uh, just bad to the bone, as they have been the last few seasons. Now you, you get uh, Kelly Bryant in as the quarterback. This Clemson offense, they're not as adept passing the ball as they were with Deshaun Watson, of course. Uh, he'd been under center for three seasons, Kelly Bryant his first year, but they've been running the rock pretty well, and we know Alabama doesn't allow you to run the rock versus them. So I can see why Bama is the favorite uh, right now because you need to have balance on your offense. That's why Auburn was able to beat Alabama with Jared Stidham. They had that balance. I'm not so sure Kelly Bryant can spin it as well as Jared Stidham did or Deshaun Watson a season ago uh, versus Bama. And uh, so I could see Alabama opening up even at sitting there at the fourth seed as the favorite. Yeah, they are a one and a half point favorite as it stands right now in most places. In the other game, it's a pick them or you have minus one for Oklahoma. So both of these very really? evenly matched. Yeah. So I, I like Oklahoma. I actually like them to win the whole thing at this point. And I tweeted that out yesterday, and then everybody responded back, oh, it's defense. It's all about defense, and defense wins championships. Excuse me? <laughs> Did you, have you seen the college football playoff since we've – at least the championship games? I mean, they, they're just crazy. You've had yeah. a, a team – in all three of them since the playoff started, the winning team scored 35 points or more, and in two out of those three, it's been 40 points or more. Mm-hmm. So – to me, the best offense, the, the offense that is on top at the end is the one that gets it done. Um, so uh, we'll see how it plays out. I'm rooting for Oklahoma at this point, though, because I think that'd be awesome to watch well, Baker Mayfield do something crazy, like set himself on fire or something after he wins a national <laughs> championship game. 
That's the only one I, I picked at the beginning of the season that I was right about was uh, Oklahoma. I had them in the playoffs. And you're right about these, these high-scoring affairs in the college football championship game. And, and I would have Georgia a slight favorite in that ball game because of, hmm. their, because of their balance. And I, But you're right. I think it's going to be whoever has the rock last. I, don't, I just don't think Oklahoma would be able to stop uh, Georgia. And conversely, it's going to be difficult for Georgia to corral a Baker Mayfield and all the weapons he has and the way he can run around and extend plays. They haven't seen anything like this young man. And it's one thing to watch him on film. And, yeah, you faced Jared Stidham here twice uh, on the season. Uh, but uh, Baker Mayfield's in a whole nother class right now. And, and so stopping him uh, will be difficult. So it may come down to who has it last. But I'm going to give Georgia the slight edge. Well, the reason why I like Oklahoma is I'm a firm believer they're going to put 40 on everybody. They put 40 on just about mm-hmm. everybody. And they'll put 35 at the very least. So, well, they put them on everyone except for my Longhorns. That's You're true. 29. Yeah. Right. Tw- yeah. 29 in, in that game. But everybody else, I mean, it's, it's, it's 30 or more. And a lot of times it was 40 or more. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to beat, let's just say it's, it's 35 conservatively in, in, in this type of setting. If you're going to beat Oklahoma, then you're going to have to put 38 points up or more in order to beat them. And that's the team I'm going to take because it doesn't matter who they're playing. They're putting up big-time points in yeah. that game. So and they be- have a big-time offensive line, too. All right, so much to get to this morning. If you want to chime in on the college football playoff, we'll take your calls now. We're going to do open phones with Jones in a little bit as well, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227, the number to call. And big coaching changes still. It does not stop. Just getting started. Keep it right here. Here's the deal, folks. Relief Factor is not just for former or present athletes, not at all. It's for anyone struggling with pain. Yes, athletes, but also, yes, for anyone with back, neck, shoulder, hip, or knee pain, foot pain, hand pain, or general muscle aches and pain. You can be 30 or you can be 95. If you're in pain, I suggest you give Relief Factor a try. Can't guarantee it'll work, but here's a tip. Almost 80% of people who ordered a three-week quick start for only $19.95, go on to order it again. That's under a dollar a day to see if it can work for you like it did and does for me. And it's 100% drug-free. Honestly, if lowering or eliminating your pain for $19.95 sounds like too much money, then you must not be in too much pain. Order the three-week quick start for $19.95 at relieffactor.com. Go to relieffactor.com to order now. Relieffactor.com or call them, 800-500-8384. Give us a call right now, 855-212-4CBS. I got all of them wrong, didn't I? Almost. One, yeah. four, and one. I end up Dang. going three, two, and one. Ah, you stink, boy. Congrats, Gio. You won the rubber match. Yeah, it's it's basically over now, right? I mean, we have a couple more weeks of NFL, but unless yeah. I'm going... 0 oh, and three every time, and and how about my my Toledo pick, man? Yeah, the Akron scores like twenty seconds left. Are you kidding me? Oh, the old backdoor cover, bam! Yeah, take that. Like, come on. Yep, you you are in the last three weeks of college football picks against the spread. You are one seven and one. Hey, I got a chance. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bogus is here, and he's Am got I? A, Bogus. Yeah, he's got an update for us. 
Hey, man, what's going on? Good morning, everybody. So Sunday Night Football in Seattle, just a seven-point game in the fourth quarter. So Russell Wilson threw one more touchdown pass. Russell Wilson on the left hash in the shotgun. Gets the snap. Has time. Throws wide open. McKissick touchdown. How did they miss J.D. McKissick, who ran unmolested into the end zone from 15 yards out? And an insurance touchdown for the Seahawks. Kevin Kugler on Westwood, one third touchdown pass from Wilson, while the Seattle D held the Eagles to their fewest point of the season, the 24-10 final, snapping Philly's nine-game winning streak and Seattle's two-game home drought. The Seahawks climbed to the top wildcard spot this morning, breaking a tie with the Panthers because of a better conference win percentage. Carolina falling in New Orleans yesterday, 31-21. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara combining for 145 yards and three scores for the Saints, who are alone atop the NFC South this morning. The Rams with a 32-16 win in Arizona, improving to 9-3, and clinching their first winning season since 2003. The Jaguars with eight wins for the first time since 2010 after a 30-13 decision over the Colts. And the Packers clinging to their playoff lives. Hundley under center, he takes, hands it off to Williams. Off the right side, has to bounce it off to the outside. Makes a turn, 20, 15, 10, 5, to the for the touchdown! And the Packers have won! Rain Larravee, Scott Zolak, Packers Radio. That was Aaron Jones' only carry, a 20-yard game. Did he winner. have the name of the back wrong there? I don't know what he say. I think he said Williams. Hundley under center, he takes, hands it off to Williams. Off the right yeah. side, has to... Oh yeah, he did. Whoops. Well, that was. It wasn't Jamal Williams. No, no it was it was, it was Aaron it, Jones. It was his first carry of the game, though. So, yeah. do you give him uh-huh. a pass for that? First carry of the game coming in overtime when Williams got all the work early on in the game. Don't give me a pass for missing that. That would have been a <laughs> far more interesting lead yeah. into the cut. Anyway, somebody scored for the Packers from twenty yards out in overtime for a twenty-six twenty decision over the Bucks. Green Bay. Is six and six, two games out of a wild card spot. They are reportedly targeting Week 15 for Aaron Rodgers' return from his collarbone, but only if they're still in postseason contention. Rodgers returned to practice Saturday on New Year's Day. You'll get Oklahoma, Georgia at five Eastern at the Rose Bowl, then Clemson, Alabama in New Orleans, Ohio State the leading snub from the college football playoff rankings. The Tigers and Tide, by the way, the first schools to meet in a bowl game in three straight winters. On the coaching front, Gus Malzahn reportedly has a new seven-year, $49 million agreement with Auburn after Arkansas came calling. UCF said to be targeting Kevin Sumlin to replace Scott Frost, who is headed for Nebraska. And Herm Edwards, officially Arizona State's head coach, A.D. Ray Anderson, says Herm will be his football CEO and have a collaborative staff. The Seattle... I mean, did you read this nonsense last night? <laughs> oh, collaborative. They want to reach unprecedented heights. So they're going to be very in, uh, innovative and efficient. Right. So and they're going to be the CEO and the and a uh, energetic recruiter. Come on. Yeah, this is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd say that Todd Graham was a better option, but he is. Well, I mean, a traditional head coach might be a better option. I don't know if Todd Graham is. Well, I mean, but he, but he was. I mean, just keep him there if you're going to do this. You paid $12 million to do that, to make him go away? Honestly, yeah, $12 right. million dollars to make the guy go away for this? <laughs> Just ridiculous. Uh, the Seattle Mariners may be the favorites for Japanese phenom Shohei uh, Otani, the 23-year-old pitcher slash outfielder. I'm sorry. I'm going to have a little East Coast bias here. He, This guy's the Japanese Babe Ruth. Mm. You can put him out there in Seattle. I'll never see this guy. 
ever once play. Well, who cares well, about that's it? what his representatives want. They no, want him to I know. be on the West Coast. I'm talking about me for a second, being selfish. It annoys me. I got excited about this guy, the pitcher, hitter, the whole thing, Otani. I'm thinking I'll get a chance to see him. He's out in Seattle. You might as well just stay, stay, up. stay in Japan. Stay in Japan <laughs> at this point. Nobody's going to see it. People in Seattle, and that's it. Well, forget about you. How about him coming all the way over here to, like, hide? Care about him? Well, to hide? Yeah. yeah it is. It is true. I know. He, uh, he knocked hiding? The... He's well, hiding. He's going to pick where he wants to go. It's good to have that leverage. And he's he told two-thirds of the league last night, I'm not interested because I want to play in Tacoma. Yeah. It is, <laughs> it is a little weird. I mean, maybe he's got, like, an Ichiro fetish or something. You know, he wants to do that. I accept that. Yeah. That was the exact quote. Yeah. I've I have got... an Ichiro fetish, so I'm right. going to Seattle. Right. I don't want to be the next Ichiro. But at least go to, like, the Giants or something or the Dodgers. Or go to a National League team. At least I can see it occasionally. I mean, I, it's just a joke. <laughs> the uh, Marlins have reportedly agreed to trades with the Cardinals and the Giants, but now wait to see if Giancarlo Stanton will waive his no-trade clause for either of those clubs. The Golden State Warriors won the third quarter in Miami, 37-17. Then the game, 123-95, 30 points in 30 minutes for Steph Curry. The Rockets took down the Lakers, 118-95 for their seventh straight win. And on ice, the Kings a 3-1 win in Chicago. The Stars down the Avalanche 7-2. L.A. and Dallas have won five straight. Boys? All right, Bogish, thanks. So apparently we have a Jones on the phones today. We, it's very confusing because there's Jones on the phones, right, which means he's got college football head coaching news. But there's also open phones with Jones as we're really trying to milk this Jones and phones thing. That's coming up in a little bit where you get to talk to Brian Jones. If you don't like all the phones and Jones, blame our program director for that. <laughs> so I'm trying to sift through all of this now. Um, but I believe right now, Mikey B, am I right about this? This is Jones on the phones, not open phones with Jones, right? Yes? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, let's go. <laughs> on the phones. What do you got? Well, we, we've all been uh, just tripping out about this chaos there in Knoxville with the Tennessee football coach position and uh, had a chat with the now new AD and former legendary head football coach Phil Former Saturday morning and he shared a bit of information on the ongoing situation there and, and he stated that one, he was not trying to sabotage former uh, recently former uh, AD John Curry. Matter of fact, at the request of John Curry, he, John Curry, that is, not Curry, uh, he... Uh, Jones he, in a seizure. He, uh, Jones on the phones. He, he reached out to two coaches, Mike Gundy, who played him like a fiddle and, and, and got some extra loot in his pocket, and also uh, he reached out to Jeff Brom there at, at Purdue. And so, and he also, along with John Curry, he he made a house visit to another head coach to see if there was any interest in him coming to to, to be the the main guy there at Tennessee. So he made it plain that there was no effort on his part to sabotage John Curry and whatever he was trying to accomplish there. To the contrary, he was trying to help him, and and, and he went out of his way to do so. So uh, that's what he's saying, and I know there are other reports from my 
good friend and a guy we've had on the show just last week, Bruce Feldman, that that uh, Curry felt like uh, he was stabbed in the back uh, by Phil Fulmer, and, and Phil Fulmer told me not, it, that couldn't be further from the truth. So it's a big mess there. We'll see which direction they are swinging currently. Uh, Coach Fulmer did not divulge that information to me, but there are other reports you know, out there that uh, you know they definitely had a deal done with Brom. They definitely had a deal done with, with Dave, uh, Dave Doe uh, <laughs> as well. So uh, it, it is just a, a, a hot mess currently, and, and we'll see who ends up sitting in that head coaching seat there at Tennessee. But uh, Coach Former said no way, no how did he try to sabotage the uh, former AD. Oh, okay. Here we go. We're back. <laughs> All right. Jeez. Jones on the phones there. Got Oof. All fired up. I was just... So just to recap, Phil Fulmer has cleared <laughs> Phil Fulmer of sabotage? Yes. Okay. And who cares what John Curry thinks these days either? That guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, is anybody really concerned about what he thinks? Would he even know if he'd been sabotaged? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm just sharing you the information. I didn't I didn't solicit the call. I got the call, and I thought I'd share it with you. Jones on the phone. <laughs> that was Jones face-to-face, by the way. So you were being dishonest about that. That wasn't Jones on the phones. That was Jones face-to-face. That wasn't face-to-face. You told me you ran talked to him. Oh, I thought you said you ran into him. He cold-called you to clear his name? Well, I spoken to him uh, about a week and a half ago and I asked him, uh, one, would he be involved in the search? And he said, hey, if they ask me to be involved, I'll be involved uh, with it. I asked him about the prospects of T. Martin, his quarterback that helped him win a national championship there, whether or not he would be interviewed for the gig. And he, he said he couldn't say yes, couldn't say no. Uh, so I had reached out to him about a week and a half ago when they uh, embarked on this search. Couldn't say yes, couldn't say no. He wasn't involved in the search at that point. Well, you said, uh, is he going to, though? And he's now involved no, in the No, 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 that, right? that, that didn't come up in, in the now conversation. And I doubt if, if if he was asked to reach out to, you know, certain coaches, then made a home visit with another coach, and I, I, I don't think T. Martin's even going to have a conversation with him. I, I would have hoped he would have, but uh, it doesn't seem like he will. All right. So let's talk a little Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher going to Texas A&M when he heard that uh, Malzahn extension. He just laughed at that because he got $21 million more million or more than what Malzahn got for the same amount of time there. It's just incredible the money that Jimbo got. He got the old red carpet and the, the jet and the whole thing. It was the just, band playing for oh, him when he landed. Just amazing. Nice um, playing. Right. So uh, good for Jimbo. I mean, he got out of there and he'd make it a whole bunch of money and you know, we'll see where Florida State goes from here. It is a business and everything else, but uh, it's just... His first two, uh, two of his first four games, and we may have talked about this uh, Friday, but uh, Clemson, as I mentioned earlier, they host Clemson, and then his first SEC game is at Bama. <laughs> yeah, have fun, Chippo. Yeah. Welcome to the fire. Um, so he's there, and then the Scott Frost and Nebraska stuff was really interesting because during the AAC championship game, as that game was just going back and forth and getting crazy... I mean, only in college football does the news break that Frost is leaving during this game. So it's like running down on the the ticker, and it's breaking news and everything else. And then, of course, he gets asked about it after the game, and he doesn't answer the question from, I believe it was Todd McShay. He doesn't end up answering the question. He says, I want to go celebrate with my team. And 
And then he does that, and he said he was very emotional, and he was feeling regretful about leaving. But, I mean, Scott, you did an unbelievable job. I mean, the team hadn't won a game a couple years ago. You come back, you turn it around, you win the conference championship. We all know about the ties to Nebraska. Uh, it's nice that he feels badly about it. Uh, but, I mean, this is what college football, the carousel is. You do a real good job. Your name gets out there, Power 5 job opens that you have ties to, your chances are you're going to go there. Uh, he did it, and I think that Nebraska has a tremendous coach. We'll see if they could finally get back there consistently uh, in, the, in the conversation, of course, in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I thought we announced that last week when I was working the phone, that uh, his, his uh, staff had already been preparing to, to leave uh, leave UCF and, and head to Nebraska, and, and I, maybe I didn't share that. Maybe I forgot, but I uh, ha- did have that uh, that text come through last at the end of last week, saying that they were already uh, packing their bags to leave. Frost was going to be heading to Nebraska, and it's a difficult situation for any head coach. We saw last year it was Houston and Tom Herman going to play Memphis of all teams. Ironically, that's who UCF was taking on when all this news was breaking, but uh, uh, it's it's going to be difficult. As I said Saturday uh, during our, uh, our, our our pregame, you know, we will see this each and every year. Uh, this is big-time business, and huge money has been thrown around, as we've witnessed with Jimbo Fisher and, and now Gus Malzahn being able to leverage uh, his his position there at Auburn into more money because Arkansas came a calling, and and you're going to continue to see it. And the buyout, the buyouts by these teams. I mean, come on. You mentioned Graham, twelve million, and Kevin Sumlin. He gets ten million to to leave, and and Bielema, I think his is twelve million after being canned there at Arkansas. It's just amazing the amount of money that's being generated, and the Cats doing the heavy lifting. The guys on the field, what do they get? Same old thing they've always got. Yeah, someone tweeted out something interesting yesterday about how if you took half of Gus Malzahn's average annual salary um, with this new deal, you took half of that away from him, that each player could get $40,000. I thought that was, I thought that was yeah. an interesting, interesting math tweet where there's like yeah. they, people say there's no money for the players. Well, you know. <laughs> depending on how you work it, I think yeah. you can find some money for the players. All right. Well, we- they're going to figure it out one of these days, and we're all going to be in a world of hurt because uh, they won't show up for one of these games, and, and we'll have to change the entire business model. Yeah, that is that is very true. I just hope that I'm around to see it because that would be a lot of fun to cover, to be honest with you, that, uh, that drastic change in the college athletics world. We got plenty more to get to, including that bizarre press release. We'll talk more about that from Arizona State and a tradition that just has to stop. I'm not the only person that believes this, but there is something that goes on on Championship Weekend that just has to stop on Championship Saturday. And I don't know what to do about it, but we have to at least maybe start a petition. We'll get to that as well. Keep it right here. Geo and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This thing that's on Championship Saturday that has to stop, and I I wish I was alone in this so it would sound more original, but I do like the fact that I'm not the only one that feels this way. And this is not the first year I've seen this. This It's not the first year I've been annoyed about it, but now I've, I've had enough. And that is the chest pass into the hole during the Dr. Pepper challenge that they do at halftime. They give away $100,000, which is great. 
awesome stuff from Dr. Pepper. Uh, and I, I commend them for $100,000 scholarship to the person that wins, I believe twenty five dollars to the person that loses. But someone needs to step up. And, Brian, you know some great people there at Dr. Pepper. Someone needs to step up and put their foot down and say that the rules are now this. You must throw the football like a football <laughs> through that hole. You are no longer allowed to push the football into the hole or go underhand or any of that. This is a football challenge, and you must throw the football like a quarterback. If you don't, you are disqualified from our Dr. Pepper challenge. Hey, man, any way you can get that $100,000 tuition check, you get it. And I have no problem with him throwing underhanded. Oh. With this, I, I do a hit for the Dr. Pepper folks uh, and their contestants at the uh, SEC championship game every year for the, the uh, cable side, CBS Sports Network. And Leona, who ended up winning, and Jose, they were great. And uh, I, I watched them practice there for the cable hit Friday night. And then, of course, uh, Leona won Saturday during halftime of the game. And it, these a lot of these participants, they have never thrown a football in their lives. So I have no problem with them getting it through that little opening in any manner in which they can. Yeah, I, to me, I, I can't blame the kids because, sure, they'll figure out a way and they're obviously intelligent enough to – be in that situation, but to me, it's up. It's up to the guys who run the thing to say no more. It's just you got to throw. These are the rules. You got. You can't do. Do something else. If you're not gonna, they try to make a football tie-in because it's a football game. If you're not gonna throw a football like a football, then do something else. Have a race, a relay race, potato sack race. I don't know, bowl well, or something. When, when, when you're doing the half court shot at, at games. Uh, they just toss it. They don't really th- do a shot like a, a basketball player would. They don't shoot. Nah, it totally different. Because you see guys, you see guys in the NBA that'll like throw the basketball too. It's never like a, a perfect shot when they're trying. Well, you'll to see guys buzzer beater quarterback every now and then try to shove. When he's under pressure, with a four hundred you know, pound okay, guy breathing down his neck, pressure. They're in a whole lot of pressure. Millions of people are watching them, and they've never thrown. No, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about pressure like that. I'm talking about pressure like from a defender. It's ridiculous. Throw the ball like a football. Be a real person. Way to person. go, Leona, and all the other winners. Yeah, way to go. $100,000 for chest passing a football in a hole. Come on. All right. Anyway, congratulations. Uh, so, <laughs> so here's uh, <laughs> here's some of the stuff that we're talking about with Bogish with Arizona State, right? So they put out this press release. Our goal for this football program is to reach unprecedented heights, and therefore we need to find a way to operate more innovatively and efficiently efficiently uh, than we have in the past. Yeah, the efficiency comes from keeping the coordinators on staff. You don't have to buy them out, too. In the spirit of innovation, our vision for this program is to have a head coach who serves as a CEO and is a central leader with a collaborative staff around him that will elevate the performance of players and coaches on the field in the classroom, and in our community. Equally important, the head coach be a dynamic and tireless recruiter. So this is putting lipstick on a pig. I'm sorry. There's no way that I believe that Ray Anderson went into this thing thinking that he wanted to be innovative. And he said innovative like four times. Efficient and innovative. And 
collaborative and blah and elevate the performance. <laughs> no. What happened was you had to keep the coordinators on. You went to your friend because that's the only guy who was going to keep those coordinators on, someone that you trusted in Herm Edwards, and, and, and you went with that. You hired your friend, and you hired your friend who could save you a couple bucks because you bought out a head coach that cost you $12 million. So don't try to sell me this garbage that you're going to be the most innovative college football program out there. But basically, what you've done here is hired your buddy because you had no better options. Well, they, I'm sure there were there were other options, but he wanted to hire his buddy, and, and that's fine. You hire your buddy. We see that happen time and time again. Uh, that doesn't mean we have to like it. But this restructuring, which they're outlining here, we've seen this movie before. It's currently going on at Alabama. They really started this deal with all the analysts they bring on hand and pay $25,000, dollars to, to, to do a lot of the behind-the-scenes work, and these are former head football coaches. These are former assistants, and, and Steve Sarkeesian being one of the more – high-profile guys who's now with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, who they brought into the fold. And, and Alabama started this uh, this process, and they essentially have built their own pro personnel department, but it's for college, and, and it allows them to, to, to uh, allocate more man hours to recruiting and evaluating players, and that's what Ray Anderson is outlining here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and you've seen other schools do it, uh, do it now. So uh, it, it, this is... All he's outlining is nothing new. It, it's what it has been going on. Steve Patterson, the former AD at the University of Texas, he came from the pro ranks, Portland Trailblazers, and he tried to set up this similar uh, process at the University of Texas. He just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way from a personality standpoint, not necessarily from a structural uh, standpoint. So this is nothing new. Uh, we've seen this before. And, and trying to uh, make your collegiate program now – uh, look like a an NFL or a professional atmosphere. It's been going on. Yeah, uh, I just think it's an awful hire. And one thing that Alabama has that Arizona State doesn't have is Nick Saban. So I think that you can have all these analysts around, all this stuff. But when you've got a great head coach, uh, that's really what matters well, more than anything else. That's going to be the key. I, you can have all the bells and whistles you want, but you better win. Okay, you have this new approach. You think it's a fresh approach? All right. Show me the W's. I don't care what your approach is. I want to see some W's. Yeah, I mean, this basically was just a bunch of euphemistic nonsense to try to make people feel better about a hire that they don't like. That's what this was. Like, let's uh, let's carefully craft this press release to try to fool people into liking what we're doing because we know that they don't. Um, so I don't know if Arizona State fans are buying it, but I'm sure not. All right, this is a very important part of the show. Because you have an opportunity to talk to Brian Jones. Brian Jones Open Phones is happening right now. Your thoughts on the top four, the college football playoff? It has been announced. Did you think that Ohio State should have been in over Alabama? Do you like the process, dislike the process of the committee? How do you feel about the games? First blush. Now you know who's playing and where and when and all that stuff. You have an opportunity there. We have just cleared the line, so you call right now. We'll get you on the air, 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227 is the number to call. If you have a favorite team that does not get talked about enough uh, anywhere, you could do it right here with our college football expert, Brian Jones. 855-212-4CBS. We'll take those calls, and of course... 
plenty of NFL football to get to this morning as well. We'll get to that after your college football calls. And Brett McMurphy is going to join us coming up in just over an hour to talk about some of the coaching stuff. Gio and Jones right here on CBS Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 